0: Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Matthew 22:36. I owe you an explanation, so I will give it while you are getting in position. We have been teaching a series on Wednesday nights, which I have thoroughly enjoyed teaching and hearing other men speak about, we've been talking about overcoming. And uh, we have just one more lesson left and that will be with Sister Brown in a couple of weeks. But I, I was working on this lesson for Wednesday and I just could not, I got so excited about it I could not escape it and so I felt I needed to preach it to you today. I couldn't wait till Wednesday and uh, I talked with my good friend Dave Meyer and, and Brother Meyer said, oh, I'd be glad to come and preach for you on Wednesday night if you will come and preach for me. So we're trading pulpits on Wednesday night and Brother Meyer will preach a great message. I'm absolutely positive of that and I hope you'll be here for it, but I have to give you this message today. I absolutely have to. So Matthew chapter 22 and verse 36. Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like unto it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Do you hear what he's saying? You could write the entire law's fulfillment in these two commandments that I give you. Love the Lord your God with all, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's the law. Anything less than that is a violation. And so today, I would like to speak to you about overcoming unforgiveness. Unforgiveness overcoming unforgiveness. God bless you, you may be seated. Life is about relationships. You've heard me say that many times. Your relationship to God, if you're married, your spouse and your family and your friends and your relationships inside the body of Christ. That's all that matters. Nothing else matters. Doesn't matter what your job is doesn't matter how much money you make, the possessions you have, they are all insignificant. So if relationships are that important to Jesus, how important should they be to us? So in order to maintain relationships, I have to understand this. You've heard me say this before too, that both God and Satan believe in math. God believes in addition and multiplication while Satan believes in division somebody's listening so Satan wants to subtract you from the body of Christ rob you and steal from you of relationships that are actually the most important thing in your life and the way the number one way that he does this is with unforgiveness so the first thing I have to learn is I have to learn how to forgive others. I have to. I have to learn to forgive others. The Lord, what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter six, I'm, I'm in verse twelve. He says, "And forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors." And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if, then he goes on. He ends the, the model, the prototype, with an amen. But then the one thing he talks about is debts. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. So our forgiveness is conditional upon our our willingness to forgive others. If we do not forgive others, we lose our unforgiveness. Our debts come back on us. You will also notice that when Jesus spoke on the Mount of Beatitudes, that the fifth Beatitude, which is a play on words, the fifth Beatitude is found in Matthew 5 and 7, which says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So the only way that you can have mercy is to give it. The only way that you can be forgiven is to forgive These are things that you can only keep by giving them away. And when you cease to give them away, you no longer are able to receive them from God. Did you also notice, when we read this short passage from the Lord's Prayer, that immediately after forgiveness, immediately after forgiveness, it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Because... If we do not get the principle of forgiveness, temptation and evil become present and prevalent. Let me give you a story that Jesus gave in Matthew chapter 18. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king which would take account of his servants. We will all give an account as God's servants. Amen? So when he began to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him 10,000 talents. Today's terms, $10 million. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and his children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. See, now I'm giving you the parallel between forgiveness and debts here. When you are an unforgiver, it will affect your entire family. I'm telling you the truth here, so it's okay to say amen. He said, hey, you're the one with the debt, but you know what? Your wife's going to pay for it. Your children, they're going to pay for it too. You're all going to prison. And I'm going to take everything you have. You'll still owe me, but at least I'll get what I can. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? How important unforgiveness is. So the servant, realizing what was happening, fell down and he worshiped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me. I will pay you all. I will work the rest of my life if I have to, to keep making a dent in this bill that I have, this debt that I have with you. And then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion, and he loosed him, and he forgave him the debt. $10 million debt wiped out in a moment. I'm preaching to you today. You have a debt You will never, in your entire lifetime, no matter how many times you come to an altar and say, God, I'm gonna do my best to earn my salvation by being merciful, I'm asking you to be merciful and forgive me. I'll do everything you ever ask me to do, I'll be a different person. You will never earn the forgiveness of your debt. It is too great. But if you come in repentance, the Lord can be compassionate and he can forgive you all the years of your sin and all of your debt. He can wash away your sins, and he can wash away your iniquities. How many of you have experienced that? Let's clap our hands. Thank you, Jesus, for washing away my sins and iniquities, for paying my debt at Calvary. What compassion this king had. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, which is a hundred dollars. And he laid his hands on him and grabbed him by the throat and said, pay me what you owe. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and he besought him saying, have patience with thee. I will pay you all. And he would not, but he went and cast him into the prison till he could pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw this unforgiveness of debt and what was done, they were very sorry, and they came and told unto the Lord all that was done. And then his Lord, after he had called him, said, You are a wicked servant. I forgave you all that debt because you desired me. Should you not have had compassion on your fellow servant, even as I had pity on you? His Lord was wroth, and he delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Your $10 million is now due. Your debt is back, and you are going to be tormented until it's paid. And obviously, it would never be paid So likewise shall my heavenly Father do unto you if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. I could end the message right now and we should have a rush to the altar. Since I have received forgiveness I now owe forgiveness. I owe forgiveness. You've heard me say that we need to separate trust and forgiveness. Because somebody hurts you so deeply, you should be cautious about not being hurt again, but you should not be unforgiving. So forgiveness is owed while trust is earned. but we can't withhold forgiveness. I thought about this yesterday morning. Uh, It just rushed over me. Do you know what unforgiveness is? It's saying, I am going to punish you for what I feel you've done to me. I may disown you. I may withhold words from you. I may withhold fellowship from you. When you're on one side of the church, I'm going to do my best to be on the other side. If you walk one side of the road, I'll walk the other side. I don't want to be near you. I don't want anything to do with you. I'm going to punish you. And some people will do this for their entire life. It will be the Hatfields versus the McCoys. There will never ever be restoration because I absolutely refuse to forgive and I'm going to punish those who have hurt me. I'm gonna punish you. You know the one you're punishing the most? Yourself. What were the two commandments? Love the Lord and love your... You're punishing yourself. The second part of forgiveness is I I need to forgive myself. People don't like to talk about that, but it can be a problem. You need to learn to forgive yourself. If we confess our faults, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what the word of God says but we have to confess it. We have to own it and we have to ask for forgiveness from God and sometimes we have to ask for forgiveness from others. If they're part of the hurt here, we got to include them. See, it's not just that you've been hurt and you've been offended. You have hurt and you have offended other people. And so sometimes... You have to admit that, and you have to humble yourself. And if you refuse to humble yourself, God, others, or Satan will do it for you. Wouldn't it be better if you would humble yourself in the sight of the Lord so that he could lift you back up? Wouldn't it be better to go to somebody and say, you know what, I am so sorry for what I said, the way I said it, or the thing that I did that hurt you. Do you know that when you do that, you're not only releasing yourself, you're giving that other person the opportunity to restore the relationship. And you which are spiritual should be the ones that initiate forgiveness. You're waiting for somebody to come to you. No, you should be the one that goes to them. I want to give you this. Do you remember Jesus talking about a person who brought a gift to an altar? He said, I bring my gift to this altar. I'm going I'm to give this gift to God. And God said, well, wait a minute. If you know that your brother has ought against you, go to him and first be reconciled to your brother, then come back and bring your gift. And and we just kind of read over that and we we read over it and we say, well, there's a problem, you know, that exists between me and somebody else and I got to get that right. No, no, there's not. If you even think that your brother or your sister has ought against you, not you toward them. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, when it's you toward them, God convicts you. That's easy. You might be stubborn and, and, and not do it, but you know. But if you even think that a brother or a sister has a problem with you, he said leave your gift at the altar and go and say, Let's get, is there something that's wrong between us that we need to get right? Is, is there something I need to apologize for? I, it seems that our relationship is, is distant. How can I restore this relationship? Somebody preach with me today. How can I fix this? Pride won't won't allow you to do that, but humility will. You have to initiate. If God has revealed to you that you have wronged somebody, why would he do that? To make you feel bad? No, so that you'd get it right. If God reveals to you that somebody's cold to you and you don't know why, why would God reveal that to you? Again, so that you can go and restore the relationship. I'm pleading with you today about overcoming unforgiveness. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen to you. Don't let it happen to your relationship with others. And the only way to overcome Unforgiveness is to humble yourself and go to them. Sometimes it's hard to forgive ourselves. We're we're actually embarrassed by our behavior. But we need to forgive ourselves. Jesus said, how many, one man said, how many times should I forgive my brother? He said, 70 times seven Has anybody been counting and got to 490 yet? Let me ask you this. How many times should I forgive my brother? How many times would you like God to forgive you? Well, whatever it takes. Well, there's your answer. If you don't forgive... You will never forget. But if you forgive, forgetting is creeping up on you. And eventually, it'll be gone. Joseph had two sons. Joseph, the son of Jacob. The first one he named Ephraim. And the second one he named Manasseh. You know what Ephraim means? I will forget. You know what Manasseh means? I will remember. You're a good listener. Because we need to forget about the wrong that we've received, and we need to remember how good God has been to us through all of our trials. But we do have to forgive ourselves. Don't need to beat yourself up. If God can forgive me, I should be able to forgive myself. It's only a mistake if you haven't learned from it. Well, I make the same mistakes over and over. Well, keep working at it. Don't give up. Finally, the third thing is some of us need to forgive God. God. Now, this is, now I'm going to get into your kitchen today and I'm going I'm to talk about things that, that people don't talk about. That's my job in this message. That's what God's told me to do. Some of us think that we know more than God. I'll tell you what, this overcoming series that we've had, I wish everybody would have heard Wednesday night's message on doubt and worry that Brother Steve Kiley spoke about. Oh, my goodness. I was floored with what he said. My mind was racing. He talked about, I'll just give you a a snippet. He talked about how when he saw a girl his daughter's age die in an accident, and he looked at her laying in the snow, he said, that could just as well be my daughter. And fear came on him, and he wanted to be overly protective of his daughter and know where she was at all times and protect her and keep the curfews and all that. And and when she was late one night, he said to God, God, my daughter's late. Please take care of her. And he said, and the Lord rebuked me. He said... She was my daughter before she was your daughter. Do you seriously think that you can love your daughter more than I love her? Do you seriously think that I can't protect her better than you can protect her? The ouch is what I felt too. You are absolutely right. And I'm just, I'm just bearing my soul to you today. I've never liked the fact that my father died at 59. And I loved my father. And I wanted him to be a grandpa. And I didn't like the fact that he died early. And I I remember saying things like Steve had said, I love my dad and why is he gone and why couldn't he have stayed longer? Have you ever had those thoughts? We had a couple of serious deaths in this past year, and I won't go into that, but I, I'm sure people are saying, why? And well, let me, let me, I'm not defending God. God doesn't need my defense. But I will tell you this He knows a whole lot more than I know. And He loves my dad more than I loved my dad. And he knows what I feel at the loss of my dad. And he knows what's best for my dad. Let me read this to you. I've I've messed up our schedule here a little bit, Sister Kylie, but can you give me Isaiah 55, 8? My thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. Well, I can say amen to that. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, my thoughts than your thoughts. The rain comes down, the snow from heaven returns not thither, waters the earth, makes it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It will not return unto me void, but it will accomplish that which I please. Not you. And it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. You know what I'm glad about? I get to see my dad in eternity. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. Just as he spoke to my brother about his daughter, he spoke to me about my dad. I love your dad too. I know what's best for him. Maybe you should try this. Why don't you be thankful that you had a father? Why don't you be thankful for 59 years? Why don't you trust me that I know what I'm doing? It's not what I wanted to hear, but it's what I needed to hear. See, it's better to get what you need than what you want. Are you hearing me today? There's no doubt in my mind where my dad's going to spend eternity. And I know some of you say, well, I don't even have that. You can still be thankful for what you've had. There are some people that never had a dad. There are some people that don't even know who their dad is. Just a biological thing. I should be thankful and I should trust. You, You see, some of us think that if we... Don't live to be 70, 80, or 90 years of age. We have been cheated. Because everybody thinks the average age is 70 or above. Maybe it's close to 80 now. So if I don't live to be 80 or 90 or more, I've been cheated by God. No, you haven't. Life is a gift. Every day is a gift. And no man knows how long God's going to allow this gift to be on earth before he says, that's it. And again, nobody knows exactly why, but I must learn to forgive God for what I don't understand and what I don't know. God allowed it, God could have stopped it, God could have healed, but for whatever reason, he did not. Hebrews 11 talks about the hall of faith. We're real excited when we read about Daniel in the lion's den. We read about the dead being raised, the great deliverances of God, but you better read the whole chapter because the latter part of the chapter begins with verse 36 and says, but others, that trials of cruel mockings and scourgings, bonds and imprisonment, The Christians were stoned and sawn asunder, tempted, slain with the sword, wandered about in sheepskins, goatskins, destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Never even knew what you and I know about the Holy Ghost because God provided some better thing for us that they without us should not be made perfect. In other words, whether God blesses you and delivers you or God takes you and allows you to go through a trial, it shouldn't change your attitude. It didn't for them and it shouldn't for us because we trust that all things are working together for good. We don't like it, but that's because we don't understand it and we don't see the end from the beginning. We only see the moment. Who can forget Job and all that he went through? His testimony inspires us today. None of us want Job's trials, but a man without the Holy Ghost, without the Holy Ghost, endured all of that. So can we. Revelations 12 and 11, speaking of the enemy, it says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto death. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. So what are the results? This is where I'll wrap today. What are the results of unforgiveness? Infection? Gangrene? Cancer? The loss of limbs? Maybe even the loss of life. I'm speaking spiritually here. I, I'm... I'm believing you can understand the parallels that I'm making here. Unforgiveness leads to infection. And it always ends up with a loss. Unforgiveness is an I-94 for bandits to steal, kill, and destroy. They will steal your friendships, your peace, your joy, and you'll even feel guilty, so you'll lose even your righteousness. They will kill all future relationships. That's why people will talk this way. I'll never trust anyone again. I will never again have a best friend. My marriage failed, and I will never marry anyone ever again. Unforgiveness. unforgiveness, and what does it do? It kills you and causes you to be alone and empty except for your bitterness. Just not worth it. So he steals. These bandits steal, they kill, and then they destroy. The last thing they destroy your relationship with God. It's just a question of time. Don't let it happen to you. Don't, don't give unforgiveness a place in your life. Let's stand together. Let me tell you what forgiveness can do. Forgiveness can restore Unforgiveness destroys. Those are your options. Restore or be destroyed. Jesus, I've done my best to give what you gave to me, but I am not so naive to think that I can change anybody's life or I can bring anyone to an altar or I can cause anyone to do anything. That's between you and them. Because no man comes except the Spirit of God draws him. And so today, I have delivered the mail. But what happens next? At this altar? On the phone? Or going to somebody's home? whether it means that this morning somebody will first go to an altar and then go to another person and offer forgiveness and pray for restoration, that's between you and them. I can't heal anybody. I can't save anybody. I can't change anybody. But Lord, I pray that the word will accomplish what you sent it to do this morning. And that this won't be just another message. It'll be a life. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177